live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon. How are you? Wherever you are, thank you for dialing us up on this Wednesday, February 15th, the year 2023. The GOAT's about to turn 60, and he is paying it forward. And the Saints have some new coaches on their staff. LSU basketball, second verse, same as the first. You can't shoot it. You can't win it. These stories and much, much more coming your way. My main man, James Mesh, back at the Master Control Suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the lovely village of Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Uh, close only counts in horseshoes, hand grenades, and slow dancing, as they say. LSU got close, but not close enough as they lose to Georgia on Valentine's Day, 65-63. to 63. The Tigers are now 12-14 and 14 overall, 1-12 and 12 in the Southeastern Conference, and their losing streak has reached a Baker's dozen of 13. 19 turnovers didn't help. And the fact that the Tigers ended up shooting 38% in the loss kind of sums it all up. We can talk about who did this, who did that. But when you turn it over and you only make 38% of your shots, you're not going to win. Best chance for the Tigers to get off the schneid is Saturday with a noon tip against South Carolina inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. That's their best chance, and we shall see how it all unfolds. So tough luck for Matt McMahon and his Tigers, but it is what it is. Um, College baseball, we said it a little bit earlier, uh, but baseball's trying to speed things up. And so changes will include limiting the time between batters and the time allotted for a mound visit to 30 seconds. Also, pitching changes will be limited to two and a half minutes. The SEC will also implement a 10-run rule for conference games. If the team is ahead by at least 10 runs after seven innings, the game will be stopped. They're trying to slow speed this thing up, and, um, and I, for one, I'm clapping my hands. Let's improve the fan experience. Please, let's improve the fan experience. Um, last week, 
Kim Mulkey was asked about the name change on the court from the Dale Brown court to also include former LSU women's basketball coach Sue Gunter. She declined to comment at the time, saying that she would defer the, to the opinion of her associate head coach, Bob Starkey, who worked with both, both Brown and Gunter. Starkey joined Mulkey for a press conference, and he said, quote, personally, I'm incredibly pleased and proud. I worked for both Dale and Sue. They were very influential in my life, and I know how influential they were on other people's lives. I know the impact they both made on and off the court, and I know when I walk out on the court and see their names side by side, I'm going to swell up with pride. I'll probably be emotional the first time. It's special. I'm disappointed that it happened the way it happened. I feel bad for Dale because he got dragged through this because an overzealous supporter tried to go through the back end and circumvent the process. Then Coach Gunner's supporters wanted to make sure she was recognized, so it got a little bit nasty. But the end result is right and fair. Both are incredibly deserving. That was from Bob Starkey. So there you have it. Um, Speaking of Kim Mulkey, uh, the top-rated recruiting class that she has, the headliner of that class, Michaela Williams, was named one of five finalists for the Naismith High School Player of the Year Award. She hails from Bossier City and is the reigning Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year. Nine members of LSU's football team have been invited to the NFL Combine which is coming up in less than two weeks, February 27th through March the 6th at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Those nine include linebacker Micah Baskerville, wide receiver Kayshawn Booty, offensive lineman Anthony Bradford, defensive back Mekki Garner, defensive lineman Ali Gay, wide receiver Jarek Jenkins, outside linebacker B.J. Ojolari, defensive lineman Jaquelin Roy, and defensive back Jay Ward. Good luck to each and all of them. Uh, it'd be great if they show up and if they show out. Uh, all you Raging Cajun fans, get ready because you'll get your first look at the 2023 Louisiana football team as the squad will host its annual Vermilion and White game on April 6th at Cajun Field. The game is um, slated for 7.30. Admission to the game is free. Coach Desimo will open up the first of 15 practices on March 7th. We'll host its annual Pro Day on March 15th at the Donald and Janice Mosing Student Athlete Performance Center. Uh, further details will be released as they are finalized. But uh, again, in conclusion, the Vermilion and White game, April 6th at Cajun Field, free of charge. Yes, indeed. Michael Jordan's turning 60. And the six-time NBA champion is going to celebrate that birthday on Friday by making a $10 million donation to make a wish. It's the largest donation ever received from an individual in the organization's 43-year history. Pretty darn good, MJ. Way to pay it forward, my man. Way to pay it forward. Um, New Mexico State's chancellor 
expressed his confidence in athletic director Mario Mokia today, less than a week after the school's most high-profile sports program, the men's basketball team, was shut down for what the chancellor said was a culture of bad behavior, egregious violations of the student code of conduct, and other despicable acts. In addition to backing Mokia, Chancellor Dan Arvizu said at a news conference he was confident the behavior that led to the cancellation of the season and the firing of head coach Greg Heyer was not reflective of the athletic department or the school overall. Remember Greg Heyer worked for Will Wade um, and then left. You, he could you, he could see the, the doors closing in, so he got out and uh, was the first-year head coach at New Mexico um, State University. So Heyer's been fired. Uh, the program was sunk by a pair of scandals, both of which are subject to ongoing investigations. The latest was the hazing allegations reported to campus police by a player who said that three teammates ganged up on him and attacked him in the team locker room. That came on top of the fatal shooting of a student at rival University of New Mexico in November. Just a bad, bad situation. And they did the right thing by shutting it all down. All down. Um, Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver Calvin Ridley has applied to the NFL to be reinstated from his indefinite suspension for gambling. Wednesday was the first day Ridley was eligible to apply for reinstatement. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will review Ridley's petition and make the determination whether to allow the former first-round pick back on the field. He hasn't played an NFL game since October 24th, 2021. So we'll see what happens along those lines. Our guest list today uh, Chris Reed will join us, a former LSU baseball player. He'll join us around 2.30, and we'll talk about uh, the keys to this LSU baseball team that gets things underway. I don't think hitting is going to be a problem. As always, can they develop and find that, that three-man rotation on the weekends? Can they stay injury-free? Can they improve on the defensive side of the, uh, uh, of the field? All those type of things. So we'll talk with Chris Reed about that. Uh, our number two, Alex Myers of Golf Digest, will join us. Whenever Tiger is playing, it moves the proverbial needle. He's playing at the Genesis Invitational, its own golf tournament. Played in a little pro-am today, and he'll tee it up for real tomorrow, saying, I wouldn't be here if I didn't feel like I could compete and win. I'd be wasting my time. If I did otherwise, so we'll get the latest on Tiger from Alex Myers and Mike Huguenin from On3.com. We'll talk all things college sports. So that's all coming your way today. So sit back and relax. We've got two hours ahead of us, uh, and we'll take our first timeout of the day. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministry, sponsored by Courtesy Bro Bridge. Hit the links at Farm de Alley while supporting a great cause. All proceeds from the tournament will go towards Redbird Ministries' mission 
of serving families who've been given the extraordinary cross to carry, that being the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at the game and courtesy Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together and register now at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 17 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, February 15th, the year 2023. We can squeeze a phone call or two in if you so desire. They give us a call at 337-706-0111, 706-0111. Young man by the name of Logan Kilgore will go from calling plays for Arch Manning at Newman High to working under new Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton. That's what footballscoop.com reported today. Kilgore was the Newman offensive coordinator during Manning's senior year before landing a job as tight ends coach at Arkansas State following the 2022 season. Well, instead of working with the Red Wolves in 2023, the 32-year-old will be working under Peyton as a quality control coach for the Broncos passing game. Kilgore was a quarterback at Middle Tennessee, played in the Canadian Football League for six seasons, he signed with the New Orleans Saints as a free agent out of college, but was released before the 2014 season. So Sean Payton uh, trying to organize his staff, as are the New Orleans Saints. And today, the Saints officially announced some new coaching hires. For the longest time, the, the Saints had that rarest of commodities in the NFL world. They had coaching stability. But after missing the playoffs for the second straight year, the Saints have undergone their biggest staff overhaul since the 2016 season, announcing five new coaches to the staff this morning. Officially, the Saints welcomed defensive coordinator Joe Woods, defensive line coach Todd Grantham, secondary coach Marcus Robertson, tight ends coach Clancy Barone, and assistant offensive line coach Kevin Carberry to the ranks. Okay, your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, th that's just the way coaching is. You got to coach here one day and move to another the next day. So um, we shall see. We shall see how it all works out. But for the first time in quite some time, you've got some, some turnover and some changeover uh, to the Saints staff. Derek Carr was, as expected, released today by the Vegas Raiders. They're over. The days is over. After his abrupt demotion at the end of the 2022 NFL season, he informed the Raiders that he would not accept a trade. And as a result, the Raiders informed Carr that he had been released. He can sign with a new team immediately instead of waiting until the start of the new league year 
on March 15th. So he is in the free agency world of things. There's a bunch of teams, the Texans, the Titans, the Colts, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Jets, and the Panthers that all are in a need for a quarterback. It just depends if they believe that Derek Carr is the guy. Don't know. Um, We all know that Carr has a relationship with Dennis Allen from their brief time together back when Allen was coaching the Raiders and drafted him. Um, do the Saints have all the resources? Um, you know, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave. Other than that, what you know, what do they have? Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I I do believe the Bucks will be a player. I do believe Carolina will be a player. Um, and a lot of things will depend upon. You know, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? What are the Ravens going to do with Lamar Jackson? There's a lot of if, ands, buts, maybes in this thing. But there is one thing that is absolutely the most important thing to realize. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win in this league. Now, is Derek Carr the answer? Don't think so. I really don't. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a better fit in New Orleans? I don't know. There'll be some options, but it won't be like Tom Brady leaving New England and going out and signing with Tampa Bay. That's just not the case. So uh, we shall see. To the hardwood we go. The Pelicans play their final preseason, uh, (laughs) their final game before the All-Star break. And they are out in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers are 26 and 32. The Pels are 30 and 28. Uh, this is one of those must win games for the Lakers. It truly is a must win game for the Lakers. The Pels come into the game with four wins in their past five, including a 131-126 win over the Lakers back on February the 4th. The Lakers, on the other hand, have lost four of their past five games. Uh, I would bet the ranch that LeBron James plays. He's missed the past couple of days um, games because of a, you know, some a foot type of an injury, but He's going to play tonight, and thus the Lakers are favored by four and a half points in the ballgame. What a win this would be if the Pelicans could steal one at the crypto, um, I always call it Staples Center, at the crypto arena, crypto.com arena, whatever you want to call it. Um, So... It'd be quite a feather in their cap if they could do so. But um, we'll see. If you take a look at the standings after last night's games, uh, the Pels, who are 30 and 28, they are still in the seventh spot, tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who won last night, a half a game behind the Dallas Mavericks, uh, one full game behind The Clippers, who won last night, the Clippers are in fifth. Phoenix Suns are in fourth, a game and a half 
ahead of the Pels. Sacramento is in third, two and a half games ahead, ahead of the Pels. So you win tonight, that puts you 31 and 28. 31 and 28. So that would tell me that's uh, 31. Uh, 31 and 28, that tells me that would be 59 games, 23 games to go when they come back from the All-Star break. Can Zion Williamson get back before the end of the regular season? Well, that would be nice, but can you really count on it? You just can't. So it's going to be a dogfight all the way, all the way. The Portland Trail Blazers are um, out of the playoffs right now, but they're just two games behind the Pelicans. So, I mean, this is so tight and so jumbled up. Uh, a win would be tremendous. So they play the Lakers tonight. That's like a 9 o'clock tip. Uh, LeBron will play. I don't think there's any question or doubt about that uh, because the Lakers have no margin for error. They've got to start winning and winning games quickly um, if they expect to get into the playoffs at all. So so we shall see. We shall see. Um all-star break. Nice, 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 nice to opportunity to kind of hit the hit the restart button and kind of get relaxed, get chilled, and get ready for the stretch run. Feel for LSU basketball. They they try, man. They try, uh, but they just can't, they can't throw it in the ocean. They just can't make shots. 38% from the field. Um, on the road. Georgia wasn't much better, but you combine that field goal percentage with turning the ball over 19 times, and that's just too much to overcome. Just too much. And hard to believe it's February 15th, and LSU has not won a basketball game in 2023. Pains me to say so. It really does. But there you go. It is what it is. All right, we'll take – um. Uh, slow things down a little bit when we come back chris reed will join us we'll talk about this uh lsu baseball team that on paper everybody has number one in the country this is the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros we're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. And there's a plethora of them. There are over 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets by Ducks. Cleaning America's air from the inside out. That dryer vent, it needs some help. It'll lower your electrical bill. Um, you get that stuff out of there and you're good to go by Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. It's almost beach season. It's time to let the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device help you lose those unwanted inches and provide permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, we talk about it. We look at the Powerball numbers each and every day, but you know you can't win until you start playing. By D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Hey guys, hey gals, get back in the game. 
with hormone replacement therapy. It's simple and it works. And by Cajun Chef, it's crawfish season. We got parades going on. You're going to have that boil? Well, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 32 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, February 15th. Counting down the days. Because on Friday... The number one preseason ranked across the board LSU Tiger baseball team gets their season underway with the goal, of course, to get to Omaha and to be the last team standing and dogpiling and winning a national championship. I like to talk to former players who've had success and and talk about what these players can expect and get his thoughts on this LSU baseball team and our guest played from 2015-16 to the 2018-19 seasons. Uh, played in, got 183 games, most of them at third base. Did, did a lot of everything. Was a really good player. And a friend of our program, uh, Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. Chris, hot, man, it's been, it's been a while since we've talked baseball, but uh, great to have you on. How have you been since last we visited? Couldn't be better, just... Uh... Just enjoying another day in in the life, and then uh, just happy happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. Um, so many expectations uh, for this LSU baseball team. Um, have you had a chance to see them at all? Um, or if not, w- what are your thoughts as we head into what is a uh, is a marathon of a season? Yeah, I've been able to make two scrimmages. Um, okay. and so I haven't made too many, but I made a few and, and was able to kind of gauge what I, what I think to be as a, obviously a pretty well-constructed team. I think anybody would, would agree with that. But, um, you know, regardless of how good the talent group is, like you just said, the, the season is going to throw up a lot of, a lot of curveballs. Gonna be a lot of up and downs, um, and I'm and, I, and that's kind of one of the things I'm, I'm most interested about this team. We obviously know, you know, that they're extremely talented um, on both, you know, pitching and uh, hitting. But I want to see how the team gels together and how they kind of uh, maneuver throughout this throughout the long season and how they handle some of these high pressure situations that they're obviously going to be in. Um, and more so when SEC play comes in, I think I think uh, it'll show a good a good testament to how really good of a coach Jay is. Um, I know a lot of people have been saying with the uh, talent accumulation of this year, if he's not going to make it to Omaha, then it's a bust of a season. Um, you know, I'll leave that up to uh, the talking heads to discuss. But um, right. you know, I, I think it's going to show a lot. Um, and, and where our program is at uh, this year. Here's a fact. Um, the last number one national seed to win a college world series was the 1999 Miami hurricanes. The odds of making it to the college world series as a number one national seed are still high 74% since 1999, according to the NCAA. But as far as winning at all, the national number one seed eh, 
hasn't had the most of uh, success, and that's certainly where LSU is. Um, if you had to pinpoint some keys for this team, I've got to believe it all starts with pitching. And can you get that that reliable Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation? I'm not a baseball player. You are. It, would you agree with that? Yes, definitely. Uh, if, if you look kind of in the last 10 to 15 years of our program, we've always had a relatively dominant Friday night starter. Yeah. Um, what I'm really uh, going to be keen on this, this year is, is how we can develop a Saturday and Sunday uh, starter as well. I want to see how deep the, the team is from a starter perspective, but also from the back end and no relief in as well. So, it, it all starts with pitching. LSU always can recruit the guys that can hit and feel and run. Um, it, it has lacked, I guess, there in, uh, in the pitching department um, compared to some of our other opponents in the uh, yeah. SEC, but also in, in the country as well. And, um, you know, I, I think we have some guys that kind of, you know, fit the mold of a Friday night starter that aren't going to have that spot. You know, I think everyone's kind of kind of already penciled in Paul Skeens to be in the Friday night slot, but I think we have very, very, uh, you know, admirable pitchers that are going to be a Saturday and Sunday starters that could very well end up being the Friday guy uh, down mm-hmm. the road. Uh, so it definitely starts with pitching for this team. That's going to set the tone. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful – um, lineup on the offensive side to help kind of relieve some of the pressures of a lot yeah. of these new pitchers like Paul Schemes, like a Hurd, and some of the other transfers in. So it'll allow them to kind of settle down. Our offense should take care of uh, the early teams relatively easily and uh, and should let the pitchers get rolling. Well, she's had some great players. Um, Dylan Cruz might be the first pick in the draft, which says an awful lot about what he has done. Um, describe describe him in, in baseball terms as a former player that's watching uh, watching him out there in the field uh, and and at the plate. Ah, uh, well, I I would have to say he's closer to a unicorn per se. Um, you know, you don't really get the type. Of players that he is in college, um, you know. I guess the, the next closest one LSU has had in recent memory would be Alex Bregman, and um, you know, with Alex Bregman, he made it to LSU because he broke his hand and fell down the uh, the draft board. And with mm-hmm. Dylan, it was from what I've been told by scouts is that he had a hard time hitting curveballs his senior year of high school, so that dropped him down some slots and. Luckily enough, he uh, he made it to LSU, and and you know, just for recent memory, I was at one of the scrimmages. I was at. He hit a line drive off the center field wall that I kid you not did not get thirty feet off the ground. I think he hit it. Wow. I think after I saw he hit it, one hundred and twelve miles an hour off the bat, maybe. Um, but I mean, you just you just don't see that happen. You just don't see that happen. I mean, I've played with guys with incredible power um, and, and you know, like a Greg Dykeman per se and, and 
and that was stuff that I don't know if I saw him do it, you know. And whenever I played with him, I you know regarded him as the as the uh, most powerful player I've ever played with. So hmm. when you have a combination of the power, the speed, uh, the eye, uh, just you know the, the body control, everything that he has, um, you just don't ever really see that in college baseball, and and, and we're just blessed. Um, you know, to, to be able to witness it and also, you know, support him in his, in his ventures in baseball. That's awesome. Um, Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. Uh, I haven't seen Tommy White play, the uh, transfer from North Carolina State. They say he can hit it a mile as well. Uh, what are your impressions of him? Uh, well, right off the bat, a lot of uh, his knocks were on the defensive side of the ball. Um and you know, in, in the scrimmages that I saw, he uh, he actually seemed, you know, to man third base extremely well. I thought he looked comfortable. Uh, I thought he had good throws. You know, pretty good arm, nothing crazy, but pretty good. And uh, you know, it just looked like he was comfortable. And and that kind of went against some of the stuff that I'd heard from him coming over. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, his name carries the weight on the offensive side of baseball, but. Apparently, where he was at before LSU, they didn't really seem comfortable with starting him at third base every day. Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a positive sign to see. I think if you can get a, you know, he doesn't have to do anything crazy, but if you can get a, a, a solid third base play out of him, um, you know, I just think, I just think it's it's going to really help the infield gel, and I think that he'll be able to man the offensive side and stay comfortable in that perspective. Cause you know, sometimes with baseball players, if they're not performing well defensively, the offensive side can kind of take a hit. They kind of get down on themselves. So um, I think it'll be good for him to get out into the environment at Alex box and get comfortable and, and kind of work his way up into SEC play and, and, and see where it goes from there. LSU to your point did struggle uh, defensively last season, ranking 227th out of Division One programs in fielding percentage, as well as being last in the SEC. So I, I emphasize pitching and I emphasize defense, um, and that's the key. And you 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 handled the hot corner, so you know what it's all about. Um, can this team become a good defensive ball club? Yeah, I, I mean, let's look at it from an amateur you know, standpoint or point of view, it all these guys got to LSU. They're they're not bad baseball players, obviously. Um, right. You know, in, in every you know aspect of the game. Um, you know, a lot of the negative attention to defense last year obviously came from the shortstop position uh, mm-hmm. with Thompson. That's a big part of the reason why our our uh, numbers weren't good on the defense side of things, but. Um, you know, Jay's obviously been a very outspoken um, person in support of Thompson and his abilities on the defensive side uh, during the fall and the spring. Um, you know, I don't see him every day, you know, and so I, I kind of go with what he says. But the few games that I, that I did see during the fall and spring, I, I did see a couple of mishaps and you know, that stuff's going to happen. Like I said, I, I could have just caught him on a bad day, who knows, right. um, or a bad hop. But, um, you know, it, if our defense doesn't get any better, you know, our offense is going to be better, so it could take us further 
but you know, one thing that I will that I will say that I that I definitely got, um, you know, that definitely was ingrained in me from Coach Mary was, if you don't play defense, you're just you're just not going to win games. I, I, his his philosophy is if you don't play defense, he doesn't care how good um, your offense is, you're just not going to win games unless right. you have a bunch of people that day that go you know, superhuman and go way above the average in terms of how they play. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of the times it's just asking too much from college athletes for a bunch of them to put that type of game together. So, um, you know, it's definitely, I think all of LSU baseball fans are going to have a close eye on the defensive side of things. And, and I, you know, obviously the offensive side of things, we're all expecting it to take care of itself, but, um, you know, really just looking for, for this weekend to go smooth and airless, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a thousand hits on the weekend, but just want to see, you know, a complete game by LSU and, and, and obviously see them come out with the wins. Yeah. Chris Reed with us. I'll, I'll close on this with you. Um, you know, when you play baseball at LSU, there is, um, there is a high expectation. It's a very intelligent fan base that shows up. Um, for games, um, this team has so many expectations on it. How, how, how would you address this club about handling the expectations and the pressure that comes along with it? Yeah, I, I actually, you know, probably about a couple months ago when all of the national rankings and everything started coming out and LSU was just getting a massive amounts of uh, attention, from the baseball um, mm-hmm. world, and you know, I actually wanted to kind of go and 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 talk to them. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to you know push push my hand in there, but um, I wanted to because you know we were always with the with the um, exception of one year, we were always ranked either number one or in the top five. Right. And uh, there is a difference between top five and being ranked the unanimous number one team in the country, but. My senior year, we were ranked the number one team in the country unanimously, and um, you know it's that that falls more on the coaching side of things. You you really have to stress your players to stay out of that type of of mindset because that's what's mm-hmm. going to erode um, the abilities and um, and also just the ability to weather a season because uh, you know say things don't go as planned or don't get off to a hot start like everyone is going to assume, you know, if the players have been told and, and have thought that they're this, that, and the other, you know, before the season and doesn't go well, well, how does that, how does that mentally affect right. the players and, and how do they bounce back from that situation? Because like you said, LSU has a very, very knowledgeable fan base, a very in-depth fan base, probably the most in-depth uh, fan base in the country if it's not going well, they are not happy, and they are not afraid to voice their opinions. Um, and, and, and that's that's a great thing. Uh, it can be a bad thing for some players if they don't know how to handle it. But I think it's a great thing, and and uh, you know it really foc- it makes the players and the coaches focus each and every day, and holds them accountable. So, you know, really, just I'm, I'm very interested to see how that happens because my senior year, I felt like the the allure of being number one, it, it, uh, it definitely got into a few of the guys' heads and, um, you know, kind of gave us this false, um, you know, this false, I guess, 
hope and and idea that that everything was going to be smooth sailing through the year and everyone was going to come into the box scared and this that and the other so um you know very interested almost you know it's almost as important as the physical play on the field so if you're not mentally there it's going to be hard to physically be there as well so you know definitely going to keep an eye on that in the early goings I think the best thing is get on the field and start playing and stop all the talk and let's just go do it. Chris Reed, we will lean on you throughout the course of this college baseball season, if if at all possible, and I greatly appreciate your time and your candor. Uh, have a great week and happy Mardi Gras and all that fun stuff, boy, and, and keep up the great work. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right, Chris Reed, kind enough to join us. Um, we'll come back. Uh, we'll wrap up our number one after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of Mardi Gras, the game is going to throw you something far better than some of those cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app and win money. It's just that simple. And it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 53 minutes after the hour. Just got a text. Um, Sad news. Raquel Welsh, the sex symbol of the 1960s with Fantastic Voyage and 1 million years B.C. has died Following a brief illness, she was 83 years young. Raquel Welsh. Um, wow. Sad. Sad. She was an absolutely beautiful woman and talented. Could sing, could dance, could act. She was good. She was really good. Man, 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 man. Sad. Sad news there today. Um, if you're... Uh, if you remember those those days, right? But uh, golly sakes alive. Um, LSU was a loser last night in college basketball. Um, had a couple of other ones that were kind of surprising as well, including um, well, Vanderbilt was a winner. They beat South Carolina 75-64. Uh, all these teams with these scoring droughts, South Carolina scored 18 points in the first half trailed by 20 scored 18 points Missouri scored 18 points in the first half and got blown out at Auburn 89 56 and Mizzou's one of those teams that's um in the field of 68 prior to that game uh we'll see where they are after this one and of course Georgia Beat LSU 65-63. LSU had the lead at halftime for the first time in forever in a day, 28-26. But Georgia came back and outscored LSU 39-35 in the second, and uh, that was it. Turnovers were were too much, 19 in total, uh, and Georgia took advantage of that, and they ended up winning the game. So 
um, a team that struggles to score, obviously, um, just couldn't score enough. Uh, they are improving, but you know, so is the level of their competition that they're playing against is not exactly the best tonight. Ole Miss is at Florida. Keep your eyes on Knoxville as Tennessee, who's lost um, a couple of uh, buzzer beaters of late. They'll be hosting Alabama, Alabama 12-0 in league play. So a very significant game there. And even more significant is Kentucky at Mississippi State. Both of these teams trying to figure out a way to get into the field of 68, both teams on the outside looking in. So, and then Arkansas with a great opportunity, they head to Texas A&M. The Aggies are 10 and two in league play. Arkansas is six and six. So some big, important games in SEC hoops tonight. Our number one's in the books coming up. Our number two, Alex Myers, Tiger at the Genesis in California. Mike Huguenin, hump day with Huguenin. It's all coming your way. After this top of the hour sports update and more here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Our number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, February 15th, the year 2023. Hope you're having a terrific, terrific day. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming everywhere. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Getting ready for the All-Star break, Pels, Lakers, last game before everybody packs their bags and goes to some warm destination. College basketball in the throes of getting toward March Madness. But a lot of people will center their attention to Los Angeles and Riviera Country Club. As tomorrow, the Genesis Invitational begins, hosted by one Tiger Woods, who will be competing again for the first time in seven months in an absolutely loaded field. Yeah, it's only one person we can lean on when it comes to the PGA Tour and the West Coast Swing, and that's our good friend from Golf Digest, Alex Myers. Happy New Year, Alex, man. How the heck are you, sir? Hey, Happy New Year to you as well, Jordy. I'm doing great. Obviously, uh, anytime Tiger's playing, we're all doing great as golf fans, and of course, you throw in uh, what happened last week at the Waste Management, uh, and then obviously the new Netflix show that's dropping today. Uh, golf is really hot right now, Jordy, so I'm, I'm doing very well. Okay, so fill us all in on this new Netflix thing. <laughs> yeah, so for people who don't know, uh, it's called Full Swing, 
and it's a docu-series on Netflix, eight episodes, and it's by the same people who brought you the F1 show called Drive to Survive, which is a very popular Netflix show. Now, I never really got into it, but I watched a couple episodes in advance of watching these eight episodes to kind of compare it. And they do a fantastic job with that show as well. So, uh, and, and everyone involved with F1 has raved not only about that show, but the, the amount of new eyeballs it's brought into the sport. Some are estimating right. 50% better you know, viewership and everything else because of that show on Netflix bringing F1 to a wider audience. So I think all golf fans are hopeful that this show can have even a fraction of that effect um, by bringing in new viewers and, and bringing in new fans to the game. So, uh, yeah, it's called Full Swing. It, it, all eight episodes came out okay. today on Netflix. We did a full recap of every episode, plus a podcast recap of every episode on GolfDigest.com, so definitely check that out. Shane Ryan did oh. the bulk of the work for us. And uh, yeah. I think it's well worth your time, whether you're a golf fan or, or, or not. Um, I think they do a great job kind of straddling the line for, for everybody who wants to watch. For someone who does golf for a living, did did anything surprise you? Did you find out something that you hadn't <laughs> known before? Yeah, that's a great question, Jordy. And and honestly, that was where most of our credit criticism came from, and it really almost wasn't even fair because obviously we cover the game for for our job, so right. we kind of know almost all this stuff already. So some of it was like, all right, they're kind of treading on the same stuff that we know already, but. You know, if you're a casual fan who doesn't follow it as closely, okay. you won't. Um, in terms of something that, that surprises us, um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely just within each episode, Netflix, you know, Netflix was covering these guys, I think it was about 18 different guys they got to sign on at various points during the year who gave them various levels of access. But the PGA Tour and the majors gave them great access, let them film pretty much anything. So I guess the... the you know, I don't know if there's surprises, but just stuff that you see and you say, wow, that's really cool. It's just yeah. this behind-the-scenes footage or this extra footage that we didn't see during the normal tournament coverage. So there's definitely a lot of cool stuff like that, seeing guys you know, working out in the gym or at, at their home or on the private jet going to the tournament. There's just a lot of cool access that uh, we don't see even if you watch every week. All right, Alex Myers. So let's turn our attention to Tiger Woods uh, at Riviera, playing yeah. for the first time in seven months. He admit he admits he's rusty, hasn't walked eighteen holes in four <laughs> days all year. But he says, "Hey, I'm here to compete. I wouldn't be out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys." To me, the biggest expectation is: Can Tiger walk eighteen holes, and can he make the cut and do it yeah. for four days? That more so than winning, I think, to me, that's the most important thing. You, you're the expert. You tell me. Yeah, and, I mean, if you think about it, it's more than four days, obviously, because he was out there today for the Pro-Am. Right. Um, out there really early. I'd say bright and early, but he actually teed off. It was still almost dark. 40-degree um, weather, uh, just bundled up, which can't be good for the back and the leg mm. and all that going on. Uh, someone said, uh, the ball just wasn't traveling anywhere. He had 235 yards in. He had a five wood came up short on one hole. Um, everyone was kind of struggling out there in this cool, cold weather. Uh, so, yeah, no, the walk is going to be a huge issue, Jordy, for sure. When we last saw him, you know, he was hobbling all over the place. Uh, even right. at the PM, P, 
PNC Championship with, with his son. You know, he took a cart around most of the time, but when he got out of the cart, you could see him hobbling. Now, from what we've seen so far this week, he looks a lot better uh, walking around. Uh, everybody's making a big deal about the climb up that 18th hole at Riviera to the famed clubhouse. That is certainly mm-hmm. going to test him and his leg. But other than that, once you get out there, because there's a big drop-off from the first tee down to the, the first fairway, once you get out on the rest of the course, it's actually not too bad of a walk. So if he was going to pick any place to come back um, and try it, this would be a decent course. Uh, certainly easier to walk than Augusta. But yeah, Jordy, definitely going to be issues with uh, endurance uh, and everything else. I mean, we know that he can hit all the shots still. But um, when, the, when you know, the physical toll of, of being out there for that long, and, and again, in cool conditions, which will be going off early on Friday, it'll probably be cool as well that morning, um, that's going to be tough. And also, mm-hmm. a Thursday afternoon, Friday morning tea time, quick turnaround, especially for a 47-year-old with all those True. injuries. True. Very good point. Uh, he'll be paired with uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, so... Um, Thomas is apparently maybe his best friend on the tour and, you know, Rory. So that should bring out the best of him. He should feel comfortable. When you watch him play, what will be the indicator that, okay, we got, we got that thing called the masters coming up and, you know, in April, not that far away. Um, what will be an indicator for you that, okay, Hmm, not bad. Well, it's actually interesting, Jordy, because this course uh, when, when, you know, when people are making their picks um, for who's going to do well this week, this course correlates very well with Augusta National. If you look up some of the past winners at both courses um, or, or high you know, contenders, there's a lot of overlap here. So just in general, um, even just, you know, if somehow he could score well here, it, 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 again, it's kind of a similar test that Augusta presents. Um, that being said, you know, I think, Obviously, other than Tiger, who's always going to say he's there to win it, I think everybody's expectations have been dropped to as low as they've ever been probably for Tiger, just based on his age and the injuries and right. those seven-month layoff, as you, as you said. I mean, even the odds makers, I know he's getting a lot of action because he always does, and that's moved the line, but he's still well over 100-1 to 1, um, in any sports book. And, you know, you'd have to, you never would ever ever seen that even when he was coming back from his right. scandal or anything like that uh, you never saw that so uh but a specific part of the game i guess you know I, I, I guess it would be the iron play because that that is his has been his bread and butter throughout his career and you know yeah. I, I would expect that even when he couldn't walk around much he was chipping and putting a little and he probably stayed sharp with that stuff but um the iron game is definitely going to be where, um, you know, if we're going to see him do anything at the majors, uh, especially at Augusta or, or the U.S. Open um, at L.A. Country Club, which, by the way, he was out there scouting earlier this week, I think we're going we're gonna to need to see a lot better than what we saw um, in the limited action last year from him. Of course, if he were to win, um, it would mark the thir- 83rd of his career, mm-hmm. which would make him the winningest golfer in the sports history, break his tie right. with Sam Snead. I don't know why I just thought about this, but, you know, baseball is trying to speed up the game. Football is trying to speed up the game. Do you ever, 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 and I, it, because of Tiger Woods and, and his ability to walk the court, do you ever foresee where they just say, you know what, 
the heck with all this walking. Let's get golf carts and let's giddy up and let's get this thing done in three hours. It'd be great for TV. <laughs> but do you I ever foresee something like that happening? I, I don't see it happening, but you, I mean, you make a, there's certainly a case to be made, um, especially when you see how long some of these rounds take, particularly those Thursday, Friday rounds when they're in threesomes and, you know, they're going off the front and the back and you have everybody out there who hasn't made the cut yet. Um, it, 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 it does take a long time, but I just think overall, um, you know, there are already some people who, of course, I, I think they're dopes, but uh, who, who don't call <laughs> golf a sport. Now you have them riding in carts, Jordy, you're going to get even more of that heckling from, from the outsiders. <laughs> okay. So, I think you need the walking aspect. I think Tiger has been, you know, consistent in saying that as well, even though certainly going to carts would benefit him. I don't think he wants to do that. I don't think that's in the tradition of the game. Um, I think that takes away something from the sport for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, so I don't see it happening and, and, um, I don't want it to happen, even though, I mean, for Tiger, I kind of would, but, uh, if he doesn't want to do it, then, uh, I got to go against it as well. (laughs) All right, can we at least, when it's 100 degrees outside, let these guys wear yes. decent short pants yes. instead of the long ones? Can we do that? Yes. Let's do, let's do that, Jordy. We agree on that. I mean, they're already letting them wear those ridiculous joggers, um, like Sam Ryder a couple weeks ago where he was showing yeah. about four inches of, of ankle. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's, you're not that far away from shorts at that point. So, no, I'm totally with you on that. They've let them do it the last few years in practice rounds. Um, they've let caddies do it now for about 20 years. Yeah. So you would think, uh, that they would eventually do it. Uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the European tour, or the DP world tour started to do it. Of course, live started to do it. So, um, I think we're trending in that direction. Uh, let the guy, you know, if you still want to wear the pants when it's hundred degrees, wear the pants. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think, I think that we can agree on Jordy. All right, so uh, Scotty Scheffler overtook Rory McIlroy when he won the uh, the Phoenix Open. And by the way, that's that's one of the all time great venues to watch yeah. golf, whether TV or in person. I just yeah. I just love it. So, um, I mean, McIlroy's on top of his game. Rom is there. Scheffler looks like another. I mean, another great year of golf ahead of us. It really does, and you know, obviously, it's unfortunate with with Liv kind of splintering things because, you know, Cam Smith, of course, would be in that conversation with those three guys as well after winning the Players' Championship and and the British Open last year. But no, now that he's gone, if you're just talking about the PGA Tour, there's clearly a big three right now. Um, And, you know, it's funny, a few weeks ago we were all saying, oh, my God, how is Rom not number one in the world? He's clearly the best. Then Rory wins his debut in Dubai, and everybody's like, oh, Rory is still the best. And then Scheffler wins the you know the most loaded field of the year so far um and now he's number one and you know if you go back to when he won that tournament a year ago he's now won five times in 12 months and of the 13 biggest events he's won five of those so Hmm. he is beaten you know in one of those of course being the masters so he has beaten the best fields much more often than any of these other guys over the last year or so. I mean, you know, Rom obviously, a couple wins last year were not big-time wins. Um, Rory had a couple wins overseas. Not, you know, he won the Tour Championship, but 
you know, it was against the smaller field. You, right, you could right. find little arguments against those guys. Scheffler, there is no argument against him now. To be, I mean, he should be the number one. He, he's won a major more recently right. than those two guys, and he's won right. more big-time events. And and for some reason, Jordy, and I'm guilty of this too, because lo and behold, this week, am I picking him? Am I betting on him? No, I'm not. And meanwhile, he's that guy sitting in the three-hole. He is not getting the respect. Those other two guys are still the favorites ahead of him, even though he's proven over a full year that he's the best player. So it's just funny for whatever reason. Um, and, and you get we get to see learn a little more about him in the second episode, I believe, of the Netflix series. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, he's a quiet guy. It, it's That's who he is. But uh, for yeah. whatever reason, maybe it's his personality or, or how he acts on the course, he just doesn't get the attention that uh, those other big stars do. Ten seconds. Does Tiger yep. make the cut? And who wins the tournament? Tiger does not make the cut. I hope oh. I hate to say, and uh, Colin Morikawa wins the tournament. And, Alex and I'm Myers I'm Golf Digest, Tiger, of course. <laughs> Alex Myers Golf Digest. Thank you so much, man. I you really do ready. appreciate it. Enjoy the tourney. Thank you. Take care. All right, we'll take a uh, time out here. When we return, Hump Day with Huguenin. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's off this Sunday with the Daytona 500. Can Bubba Wallace break through and take the checkered flag? Or will Kevin Harvick take the checkered flag for the second time at the Great American Race? Turn in Sunday to find out. Pre-race coverage begins at 1230 You can listen to all the exciting action right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The best in the business joins us. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? Uh, doing quite well. Very good. Um, we, we got some college football to talk about, some college hoops as we get ready for tournament time. Um, how big of a deal is it, in your opinion, that um, Todd Munkin has left Georgia to become the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I think it's big. Um, I think going from Munkin to Mike Bobo is a clear step down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Munkin, look at what he did with the Georgia offense this year. Georgia was fifth in the nation in offensive yards per play. And Stetson Bennett became an extremely effective passer. Uh, Munkin's play-calling ability, I think, kept opposing defenses uh, off balance. I, I think he did a phenomenal job using Brock Bowers. I mean, when's the last time you saw tight ends running jet sweeps? Uh, I, I think Munkin's going to be missed. He brought a NFL sensibility to the job because he'd been in the NFL before. Plus, I think he fully fully um, – was ingrained in the idea that you, you can bring a lot of spread components to an NFL offense. And I'm assuming that's one reason that John Harbaugh hired him. Um, mm-hmm. let, let's let Lamar Jackson work with a guy who is probably going to bring more facets 
uh, of the college game to the NFL. But, you know, Bobo has been around for a while. He's a Georgia alum. But I think mm-hmm. the Georgia Bulldogs are going to miss Todd Munkin. Is that a hire of convenience? It seems like to me it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm used to this guy and uh, it'll be okay. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting aspect of this because obviously Kirby Smart knows him. Um, you know, oh, and you know, Munkin wasn't exactly a, a oh my God, look look at what Georgia did right. when they hired him. But I think people right. in the business realized, hey, this is going to be an interesting. Uh, he's going to be an interesting addition to Smart staff. Yeah, I, I don't think Bobo was a particularly out-of-the-box way of thinking. Now, if you're Georgia, maybe you're like, why should we go out of the box? We're back-to-back defending champs. We've got a ton of talent back. We're going to rely on our defense. Uh, as long as the offense doesn't screw things up, we're going to be fine. But I think that the idea that, yeah, I, I, just, I, I think it's going to be a clear step down from what Munkin did. Urban Meyer went on a show and called Stetson Bennett the most underrated player that has ever played the college game. Um, He can't believe how small the guy was, but he's a monster. His leadership, his toughness, incredible. It is a great story. It really is. I I don't know if he's the most underrated player in college football history or whatever. I I think he was a great fit for what Georgia wanted to do. Um, would he succeed like Caleb Williams playing for Lincoln Riley? No, he would not. But I'm not, also not sure that Caleb Williams would have put up the kind of numbers that Stetson Bennett did in Georgia's offense. So um, he, he was the, the right guy at the right time for Georgia. And, again, you know, the dude won two national titles at a school that had won two in its history. And I think I said on your show before, forget never buying a beer in the state of Georgia Stetson Bennett will never have to buy anything in the state of Georgia. You want a new house? Here it is. You want a luxury limo? Here it is. Whatever you want, Stetson, it's yours. Um, He is going to be a Georgia Bulldog cult hero for the rest of his life. No question. Mike Hugan and On3.com with us. The SEC announced $721 million in revenue for the years 2021-22. Excuse me, distributing nearly fifty million per school. How much do you think that jumps now that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big Twelve? They'll be in the SEC in twenty twenty four. I think it'll be twenty five or thirty million, and I think once the playoff comes into the twelve team playoff happens, I think you're going to see Big Ten and SEC schools making $100 million each, around $100 wow. million each. We did a story in 2021 at On3 about the potential uh, payoffs for those two leagues, and I think it's going to end up being around $100 million. Um, and that, that, <laughs> that buys you an awful lot of football helmets um, and an awful lot of coaches. So, yes. um, and the idea, you know, the idea that, you know, there's still people out there bemoaning, oh, my God, players are getting paid now. Oh, my God, look at the transfer portal. $100 million from football. I mean, it's, mm. you know, I've said on your show, and you, you and I have discussed this for about 10 years now, if you're the a Power 5 AD, you're the CEO of a 65 or $70 million company. And if yep. you're in the SEC and Big Ten, it's more like a hundred and twenty-five and hundred and thirty million dollar company. So, um, the, the you know the the days of a backslapping AD who's the former football coach um, that has mm-hmm. gone by the boards. 
Yeah. And you're again, you're you know, I, I see people bemoan my you know my again, he's the CEO of a hundred million dollar plus company. Amazing. Which leads to the question what's more important, that CEO athletic director or that head football coach? Got to be the coach, right? I still think it's the coach. Um, yeah. But at the same time, Mississippi State's going to be making the exact same amount of money from the SEC TV deal as LSU. Yeah. Um, which means the Mississippi State AD is the CEO, just the same as LSU AD is yeah. the CEO. So, um, but at the same time, if you're the AD who's at LSU or Florida or Georgia or Ohio State or Texas or Oklahoma whose coach is losing, uh, that coach uh, ain't going to be there long. Yeah. You'll be fired. Mike Hugan on 3.com. So Oklahoma, Texas are coming. What does the SEC do? Are they going to go to a uh, nine-game conference schedule? Are they going to play three uh, teams yearly and then rotate the rest? What, what's the solution? I, I, you know, I, can you foresee a 16-team league where there's only eight conference games? I no. cannot fathom that. No way. Um, I think it's got to be nine. The yeah. machinations of that are obviously that's a gigantic talking point. But to, the key to me is play nine, and I, I don't care if I, I, you know there's going to be permanent opponents. There has to be. The question is, is it three, is it two, is it one, or whatever. But, you know, if you're, if you're a fan at LSU, if you're a fan at South Carolina, you want Texas and Oklahoma coming to your campus as soon as possible once they join the SEC and vice versa. You want to go play there. And to me, the idea that the SEC would remain an eight-conference, eight team conference schedule league that's impossible if you're a 16 team conference i i argue this fact if i'm the television network and i'm paying these billions of dollars i don't want eight games i don't want nine games i want 10 that's that's an interesting good content i was talking with somebody else about that as well i don't think that you're right the team heck the tv wouldn't mind 12 game conference schedule like it was in 2020 when every game was a conference game and every week there was two games that were like oh my god this is must watch but you know take a look at some of the games on sec schedules this fall you got alabama playing middle tennessee and chattanooga you got arkansas playing western carolina you got Auburn yep. playing UMass and New Mexico State. You got Kentucky mm. playing Ball State and Eastern Kentucky. LSU's playing Grambling. Yep. Ole Miss is playing Mercer and UL Monroe. Mississippi State's playing Southeastern Louisiana. Georgia's playing UT Martin, Ball State. Mm. Um, take one of those games away yep. and put an SEC opponent in instead, and you're right. Fans are happier because you're not paying 75 bucks to watch Kentucky play Eastern Kentucky. And That's the TV right. networks are ecstatic because potentially you've got Kentucky, Texas instead of Kentucky Ball State. So Only everybody's happy, not happy except maybe the coaches. But the then coaches. again, they're paid seven, eight million bucks and they need to suck it up. And if they get fired, they have an incredible they have a nice buyout. buyout because so what the heck? Eight, right. ADs are dumb uh, in a lot of cases. And, you know, 
every coach seemingly, oh, they won seven games, they had a winning record, oh, we're giving them an extension in a race. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you're right. The idea that we, we are playing a tougher schedule and I could get fired easier. Well, too bad. All right, let's take a quick time out here. We'll come back with more of Hump Day with Huguenin after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, we're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, man, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks Cleaning America's Air from the Inside Out. By Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. That helps you lose those unwanted inches and um, gets you permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery. Man, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. And by Cajun Chef. It's crawfish season. Boil them up and turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. We continue our hump day with Huguenin, Mike Huguenin from On3.com. Hey, Mike, I saw where Kevin Sumlin has reemerged. He's kind of the co-offensive coordinator now at Maryland. What the heck happened? Where has he been? Uh, This past season, past two seasons, I guess. I think he was an analyst somewhere, but he is a, uh, at one time he was, you know, he oversaw some powerful offenses. He got to Arizona uh, as the head coach and recruited abysmally. And it cost him his job, but um, he—if he has regained his fire, he could be an interesting addition to the staff. Um, he was known as a good recruiter. Um, we'll see if that pays off. But Maryland's got an interesting squad for 2023. The problem for them—they're in the same division as Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Um, those three teams are going to be preseason top 12 maybe even preseason top 10. So, you know, I think that's, that's three losses for Maryland right out of the box. So um, it's, they're, they're an interesting team. Um, but, and we'll see if someone pays off. Mike Huguenin, always in demand. But we got him for a few more minutes, so just hang in there with us. Sorry about oh, boy, that, yeah. No, that's all right. I'm just kidding. Uh, college basketball, boy, oh. we, got a, we got issues at New Mexico State. Um, a former assistant to Will Wade, the head coach there, Greg Heyer, fired, got hazing allegations. Man, I can't believe that stuff still goes on. Yeah, that's, you know, if, if this were 1982, uh, hazing, oh, that's unfortunate. But this is 2023, man. I mean, it, it is. And it, it, on top of the, the New Mexico State player um, shot and killed a New Mexico student in Jeez. Earlier this year, it appears it appears the kid was set up um, through New Mexico students ran a catfish on him, and we're going to uh, 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 try to assault him because of something that happened at the New Mexico State New Mexico football game. But the the way the coach handled that was not appreciated by the police uh, in 
New Mexico. Now you got right. the hazing incidents, mm. plural, plus the fact that they were a losing team. You got two kids have already said we want to transfer out. Um, Heyer was a successful junior college coach and brought a couple kids with him from Northwest Florida Junior College. But, um, yeah, it's, that, that's a horrendous situation. I mean, you're, you're talking about a college that basically said we're not playing any more games this year because our program is out of control. So that's, I mean, that's, you know, this isn't, you know, a high school program. This is a major college basketball program being shut down um, in in mid-February. So it's unprecedented, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Mike Bray's been the head coach at Notre Dame since 2000. He said earlier in this season that he is uh, stepping away as the head coach of the Irish, but he said he's not done coaching. Does he just need a new a change of environment, and is he going to be a hot commodity for some school looking for a basketball coach? You know, he, he's a great X's and O's guy. He has never been known as a high-level recruiter, um, which to me would limit the number of schools that potentially would yeah. want him because you, you figure if, if a school is hiring Mike Bray, that means they fired their other coach, and they fired the other coach because they weren't winning enough. So right. – um, I don't know how much stomach Bray would have for a complete rebuild, um, but he is a great X's and O's guy. He's a funny guy. He's you know great with he's good with the media. Not that that matters to a lot of people, but I, I think that's uh, uh, something that in this age is is forgotten a little bit. Um, but again, he he's done some he did some phenomenal work in Notre Dame. Um, I don't know if he is, would be considered a hot commodity though, because again, he's not a great recruiter. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. This, um, you know, Alabama's ranked number one in the country for the first time in like 20 years. And I remember when they were number number one in the country and they had, uh, you know, they had teams like players like Leon Douglas, Leon and, Douglas. Um, Reginald King and uh, C.M. Newton's coach. And they were unbelievable. I remember Houston with five slam a jam and, and it's good to see these teams back, but this thing seems so wide open to me. I, I don't think there's a lot of teams that can win the national championship, but I can't tell you who's the favorite anymore at all. No, and you're right. Alabama's playing great basketball, but at the same time, this is a team that got run over, just beaten to a pulp by Oklahoma. And right now, Oklahoma is not an NCAA tournament team. So as well as and and every, I get the fact that it's a 30 game season and every team has a bad game or two. But that game, I watched a lot of that. I'm like, my God, Alabama is horrible. How, how, (laughs) you know, who who are they beating? And then they haven't lost an SEC game, and they're blowing SEC teams out. Um, But this is a extremely wide open field. I think Um, Houston still don't know about their offense. UCLA, how good are they? Arizona, they wax and wane on defense. Uh, it ain't going to be Gonzaga because, uh, heck, they may not even win their league. Um, I'm, you know, I watched the Providence-Creighton game last night. Oh, my God, what a phenomenal game, double overtime. Two yeah. teams that, when they get it going, are both really good, but they also have some severe flaws. Um, the, the Big 12, on a nightly basis, you got to grind your way to wins. Uh, a lot of good teams in the Big 12. The Big Ten's got Purdue, and I don't really think anybody else. So I watched them lose to Northwestern the other day and on Sunday, and Purdue seems to lack quickness. 
at the guard slots and mm-hmm. guard play wins games in, okay. in March and early April. So I'm, I'm a little bit leery of Purdue because of that lack of quickness. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to be the ACC is not anything close to what it mm-hmm. should be. Let's get serious yeah. here. I mean, the idea that Pitt, Pitt could win the league is mind blowing to me. <laughs> um, it's yes, it's it's it's, it's going to be. I think every NCAA tournament is great because it's the NCAA tournament. But right. this right. is a year where I think if let's put it this way, if if all the one bid league regular season champs win, I think you're going to see some two and three seeds go down in the first round because hmm. a lot of these. Low majors are extremely old. The extra COVID year has helped in that regard. Some of these teams have four senior starters. Um, The problem is a lot of these teams face a ton of pressure because they have to win their conference tournament or else they don't get in. So, and you know, some of these teams are going to lose in their conference tournaments. But you know, if if you sit down and watch some of these, you know, mid some of these low major teams play. Um, you know, like Liberty, they can shoot the heck out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, Eastern Washington is interesting. Um, Kent State in the MAC is a really good team, well coached. Um, it's it's gonna, Colgate is a well coached team. It's going to be a Oral Roberts looks really good again. Uh, this is going to be, I think, a really fun, entertaining NCAA tournament again. And if I, I could see some two and three seeds losing in the first round. Mike Hugan and on three dot com. When you know the the tournament started off as a thirty two team field. When I played, it was a forty eight team field. Then it went to sixty four. Now it's sixty eight. We just had the football playoff expansion. That's going to go to. Do you see a day in the near horizon where the NCAA tournament increases its field yet again? Yeah, I think it, I think that's going to happen because of the money involved, but. Yeah. You know, me and one of the guys I work with talk on a daily basis about how many teams deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, what we yeah. think deserve. And in the last couple of days, we come up with 66, and we can't find the other two that deserve it. So mm-hmm. you look at Kentucky. Um, you look at North Carolina has zero quad one wins, zero. They're bad. Yeah, if they're the bad. NCAA tournament was expanded, North Carolina would be in. Kentucky has one quad one win. They would be in. Um, I, I mean, maybe I'm an outlier. I don't want to reward rampant mediocrity with more NCA bids. You know, everybody bemoans the, oh, this is a participation trophy society, and to me, a 96-team NCA tournament field would be the ultimate in participation trophy yeah. philosophy because yeah. you know you, you could go six and ten in your league or even five and eleven. Well, their their net score sixty one, so they belong in the field. I, I don't want to see those teams get, with a chance to win the national title. They frankly they have their chance now. Win your conference tournament. If you don't, I, I don't want to see teams around five hundred in the NCAA field that waters it down too much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Got some really good games tonight. Alabama, Tennessee, Xavier at Marquette, yes. uh, TCU, Iowa State, all top 25 ranked teams. I, I think this thing is wide open. I don't think there's, like I said, 
a handful of teams, a, a, a full amount of teams that can win the whole thing. I just don't think there's any clear cut one, two, three, or four teams out there that that can do it. Just you got to get hot. And like us, like we've always talked about, the teams that win this whole thing always have really good backcourts that are quick, yeah. that can handle it, and they always have one stud, one stud that says, "Okay, we need a bucket." Go get it. And right, and, 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 and matchups play a gigantic role as well. But your point about I could see every, I could see about twelve or thirteen teams cutting down the nets. I could also see each one of those twelve or thirteen teams losing in the Sweet Sixteen. Yes, and that's how cool this tournament is going to yep. be. I think. Yeah, yeah. Michael Huguenin on three dot com. Our week is so much better when we uh, when we talk with you, buddy. Greatly appreciate, appreciate it. it. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the hoops. We'll talk next week. Excellent. Thanks, man. He's the best. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Back to wrap up this Wednesday edition after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You ready to change your life a little bit? Well, here's an opportunity. Delta Media Corps is looking for self-motivated, hardworking individuals to join the team. Delta Media is currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department. To hire, to interview, administer, pay, Benefits and more. In addition, we're looking to add an account executive. Training is available. If you're interested, send your resume to Jay Cochran. That's J C O C H R A N at Delta Media Corp.com. Delta Media Corp is an equal opportunity employer. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Oh, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, we all remember... Uh... Sunday, LSU's women's basketball team fell to South Carolina. Uh, their first loss of the year. The brackets are are coming out fast and furiously. LSU ranked fifth in the country. Um, and they have been, uh, as of right here, right now, they are a number two seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament. They have a uh, um, non-conference strength of schedule that ranks 320th of 361 teams. Their best win by opponent NET rankings against number 18, Tennessee, who is a number eight seed. So, um, look, a two seed, look, they're still largely unproven. You're going to have to play some teams in this thing like Duke and Utah, um, like uh, UConn and Stanford and Indiana. Uh, much less the Gamecocks, who um, they're just the best of the best. So uh, LSU, we'll find out. We'll find out uh, what they're like. They're twenty-three and one overall, eleven and one in the SEC. A net of three, strength of schedule of seventy-six, and right now they're a number two seed. They've got uh, Ole Miss coming to town on Thursday. Yes, indeed. Um, big night here. Opening round of the high school girls state tournament. 
And uh, my daughter's playing tonight for St. Joseph's Academy at home. 6.30 tip against uh, Bird, C.E. Bird. Um, and we'll see. Um, I don't know who's more nervous, my daughter or me. Probably me. Probably me. So um, if I can make it through, we'll, we'll see. So I got uh, about two and a half more hours, and then this thing will go. So anyway, um, special thanks to our guest today, Chris Reed, talking LSU baseball, Alex Myers, talking Tiger Woods at Riviera and the PGA Tour, and Michael Huguenin talking all things college football and college basketball for on3.com. Tomorrow, Ralph Marlborough will join us. We'll talk about the Saints, Derek Carr. What's going to happen? Lamar Jackson, is he going to become a free agent? Uh, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there, and Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of moving parts. We'll, we'll discuss that. Grant Hughes will join us uh, as we approach the All-Star break. We'll get a breakdown on um, some of the big trades that took place and what he thought, what his thoughts are about the Pelicans without Zion and then later on, hopefully, with Zion. And uh, Frank Schwab will join us and get his takes on the just-completed Super Bowl and what teams are going to be moving up next year and what teams are going to be moving down. So that's our uh, presumed guest list as we speak. So um, there you go. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you, February 15th. You share your days with my near and dear friend. He is LSU. Happy 78th birthday to Doug Morrow. You can listen to Doug right here on the game as the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network. James Mesh, thank you for everything you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody. <laughs> 